When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. We're a couple days away from a full practice down at Culver. Our last chance to see them down there, Notre Dame's first uh, look in full pads, which was pretty interesting. Why don't we just get the, the media rules out of the way, uh, since that was something we dealt with before we even walked into practice. Uh, Notre Dame made a change where we can't report on sort of schematic variations and trick plays, gadget stuff. Um, But, and that's fine. I I don't think we really got into that a whole lot anyway, because it's a bit of an unwritten rule. Uh, What we did have to change a little bit is, I think in the past we would get much more into like, well, here's what the nickel package looks like. Or when they went goal line, here are the guys that are in there. And they want to take that off the table as well. before we started, they said no depth chart at all. We sort of, there was some give and take with that. So now we can at least address 11 on air because you would think there would be no schematic disadvantage <laughs> to uh, what you look like when there's no opponent on the field. Well, I think the credit goes to Pete Sampson yeah. for getting that depth chart yeah. aspect put back into it. Uh, but anyway, this is, this is way blown out of proportion. And the public doesn't care. Who cares what guidelines we have to follow or what hardships we might face. First of all... People apparently care, but they're blowing out of proportion because it doesn't hurt us that much. It doesn't hurt us. As you stated a couple times, I mean, read the practice reports. Do you see anything different? I mean, it's, I've been doing this a long time. Our job is to adjust to the, the curveballs that are thrown at you, whether it's done by Notre Dame or you know whoever, a competition within the industry, whoever, you adjust. So I don't even... I don't think it's a big deal at all. I understand, you know, not reporting schematic things. I completely understand with that. Does it limit you? Does it prevent you from, you know, providing a little bit more insight? Certainly it does. But I, I would I would put our practice reports from the other day up against anything we've done in the past. And had this not been mentioned, I don't think anybody would have known at all. Well, once... If we weren't allowed to report depth charts, people would have known. Because that's what people go to a practice report for. So once that was relaxed... Yeah, that's what I'm giving Pete yeah, credit for. Right, I, I agree. If, once that was relaxed, it became a not total yeah. non-issue. That, that was an well, issue. We it would have been a problem. We can list it when they're going through tempo. And that's when we do it Which, anyway, though, don't you? I mean, you might make note right. later in practice, took over at the ones. But when you really list it, you, you look at the beginning and I don't and think anybody's going to argue if we say... Uh, Tavon Coney moved into the with the ones, you know, at Mike or at, at Buck. I, I don't think anybody's going to argue about things like that. No, and what's the difference? We'll see if, if Mike Birch calls you later today. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> perhaps. And, and you know, I mean, there are you, you, you. So you start to think like I like when I sat down to write it when we got back in the car and I'm writing on the way home. You start to it's like, okay, now, and you've you know, it's like at that point you've overthought it and it's like what. Right. What can well, I do again now? I, I think they became relaxed, not only for our practice reports, but 
it was never going to be when we did a podcast or you're on a radio show and you have to pretend like you don't know who's the starter at Notre Dame. So that's why I had to get relaxed because it could be we never can list the depth chart in a practice report, but then I can write a story Monday and talk about it all day on the podcast who the starters are. Of course you can. That's your job to report it. Yeah. I, I could say like, hey, this is total speculation, you know. but I bet I know and then write it down. So of course you have to relax the depth chart. Reporting someone's plays... You should not be allowed to do that. If I was a head coach of Notre Dame football right. and they were putting plays on the internet, no, you're plays not going back. In, you're plays as in yeah. design, design, not the outcome of yeah, the no, play. Yeah, no, it's design. Yeah, right. you can't. Yeah, I would say if you wanted to sum up the new media rules, it's taking a bunch of unwritten rules and making them written. Right. right. And that covers about 85% of what was on the sheet that we got handed before we walked in that practice. Now, in terms of what we did see and what we can discuss, which is a lot. The nickel, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that eight tight end set was amazing. Um, you know, I don't know if there was anybody that blew me away on Saturday, but I think we all came out of that practice thinking that was the best the defense has looked uh, in 11 on 11 since we have been covering Notre Dame practices in a, for about two years. Well, there's no doubt about yeah. it. I mean, it's probably the yeah, best they've looked since the first six, August five games of, of uh, Van Corder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they were pl- when they really play well and then they stop playing well completely. I don't want to, I don't want to blow, <laughs> I don't want to blow it out of proportion what they did on Saturday because it was about an 18 play span, I think is what I, what I counted up. Um, but it was it was so strikingly productive for them to end practice. Too. Yeah, and to end practice with it, it, it was just a good sign. They still did, you know, the rodeo drill. Generally went to the offense, right? And the the one on one stuff. Good lord, that was that was terrible. So it wasn't a great day start to finish. But in live competition, in the last twenty minutes of a two hour and forty minute practice. The defense played really well. I think you can see something like that Morgan, Niles Morgan was talking about after practice that, you know, they're being taught to, the linebackers need to come up and hit that hole. Don't, if there is a sliver, you need to be there when that sliver opens up. Uh, I can see play action (laughs) biting them in the backside here, maybe early in the season because they want to be so aggressive on the second level. But, it was encouraging. I mean, and let's not blow it out of proportion beyond that. It was very encouraging at a very opportune time of a, of a long day of practice. Yeah, I mean, what did we want to see? And we talked about this before camp started. I wanted to see receivers not running, not getting behind the defense, but completely uncovered, busts, people not knowing what they're doing. I saw a defense that knew what it was doing, yeah. which was now the really one-on-one, refreshing now the one-on-one stuff, yeah, now they that, were getting behind guys. That doesn't... But that's different than... That's not schematic. Whoa, guy. I didn't... You know, there were... Michael Young was running deep, beat Sean Crawford, but it wasn't like Sean Crawford was 12 yards away staring at the running back. Um, That's kind of what we'd seen in the past, and they needed to get away from that. And I'll give Mike Elcoro credit for that, because I think it's a a big... You can't take the second step until you take that first step. And I think we saw signs that that first step has been I taken. still think some one-on-one stuff got there there were some receivers blowing by some oh, DBs some no safeties question. which is which you know I I I, I want I, I would love safety. to see Logie Gilman be the player that everybody talked about him being cuz we I just have we've only had two practices but I I have not seen that at all you're waiting to see that honorable mention all American yeah. conference player yeah. yeah and I I mean he's there I we know that's the same kid um, but we we haven't seen that. I, I have not seen one single play where I thought, wow, Gilman, uh, that's not true. And there might have been a 
there was a, a PBU in the first first day of practice. I think I remember him making over the middle, but that's just that's just one example. Biggest concern after uh, to blow out of proportion after two practices it would be the safety play, though. Would you agree? Yes. More I so than I don't even know what is second. Right. What's without? There's any, not a close second. Without any preconceived notions of the team, there's not a yeah, close second. Yeah. I mean, we had a discussion in the offseason, what's your biggest concern, defensive tackle or safety play? And I think we kind of went back and forth on it. Maybe we had a, a two-to-one split decision on safety only because you had Jerry Tillery. You had the potential. There was a sure. potential at star it's an experience. player. It's, but it's a two-year starter. Yeah, a, good, a plus player at defensive tackle, which I think is you kind of see happening. Uh, at safety, you didn't feel that way, and after two practices, you still don't feel that Here's way. Here's the problem. <laughs> there are four positions on the D-line. There's only five guys that you can say, okay, those guys are going to play. Yeah. I Trum- mean, Trumbetti's the fifth guy. Right. You know, we, have no, we have no idea who the backup yeah, tackles the backup are behind Tillery yeah, and, yeah. and Bonner. Right. Bonner's not even a, a proven starter, obviously, let alone backups behind those two. I'll be interested to see if the next one of the next two practices we see because it won't happen the one open to the public. Jay, Jay, uh, Jay Hayes. Hayes takes some time inside. Well, because if Trombetti is going to be this good every practice and Dalen Hayes is as much potential as he has, I know you don't want to make Jay Hayes into a worse player because he is really coming on at strong side defensive yeah. end. But those are the three. I don't think that makes him into a worse player because I, because he's probably, all things being equal, yeah. he's probably a better three technique than a, right. but then, than a defensive yeah. end. Well, I mean, I'll put this to you guys. More critical depth chart move that we probably spend more time thinking about than Brian Kelly does. Julian Love to safety or or Jay Hayes to defensive tackle? I think Julian Love has to play safety for Notre Dame to have a good year in the secondary this year. They have good corners besides Julian Love, who's probably their best corner. It's Julian Love, or as of now, it's Julian Love. It might end up being Sean Crawford or Nick Watkins. I think Sean Crawford yeah. right now. I think Even so. with the injury? Yeah. yeah. I think he, he looks explosive in a way sure that... Nobody else really does. And I, I have been very impressed with Dante Vaughn, both opportunities to see him. There was a play that I just, I happened to be watching him, and the play wasn't really to his side. So if you weren't making a conscious choice, I'm going to watch number eight. You, would, you wouldn't have watched it. But it was just Brandon Wimbush rolled out, and Vaughn had, I think it was Wisher and Dexter Williams, and he had to decide, who do I want to pick up? Because there's nobody else over there. You know, he comfortably... Covered Wisher out of the play while keeping an eye on Williams. The ball went to Williams. Coney came up and made the play for like no gain. But it looked like a player where the game had slowed down a lot. Um, whereas last year I felt he was just like, I have long arms. Let me throw them all over the place. Um, now it just looks like there's a there's a understanding of, okay, here's how I fit. And here's what the offense is going to try to do when I fit where I'm fitting. Yeah, and he's six foot three, and he's probably immeasurably stronger than he was at this point last year. And he might be their fourth best corner right now. So yeah. that's why Julian Love can go to safety. Oh, I think he's definitely their yeah. fourth Nick best Watkins corner. Is the, I mean, Nick Watkins is having a good I don't game. think there's any doubt that, that Julian Love at least plays some safety. Right. Which is right. which is good enough. We uh, discussed it. We're way too early here. But they, all these corners come back next year. That's why the, uh, some type of move for Julian Love to me makes sense. Because all the safeties come back too. And that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just like you got to get something out of that position. There's so many capable college corners from wherever they end up being. Capable is the bottom, right? Yeah. Of, including the fifth, Troy Pride. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a nice situation. Yeah. You, you probably get it, and he's the one that can move. As we've as we mentioned, offensively, I think we've all been pretty much impressed by Tony Jones. Every time we see him in practice, I mean, to date we've only seen him in a practice um, because he redshirted last year. I'm. 
very curious to see how Chip Long incorporates him into the offense because he catches the ball better than the other two backs. Not that the other two are bad, but I just think he's the best at that. And I think he's got this real interesting shake in east-west to his game where you look at him and you think, you probably don't have that um, because you're a bigger type guy. I mean, I sort of described him as like what you wanted Robert Hughes to look like. I thought that was a good good comparison because he's a a 4'6 guy. I mean, he's not... He He's not a blazer, that. but he doesn't, doesn't play, play like that. And every stinking time we go to a practice, he's finding daylight. He's creating daylight for himself. It's Keith Jackson's line. That's my. I said it in the spring. He just ain't got no handles on him. He can't <laughs> get a handle well, on I, the guy to tackle him. And it's, I think Dexter Williams, I mean, I really liked what Dexter Williams did Tuesday. He got a little banged up on Saturday, and I get that. But I, I think that he's looked... I think he's looked lightning quick at times. We all know what Josh Adams can do. There are three guys there that you have to play them. You have to get the football in their hands, and I'm some. I'm fairly confident that that Chip Long will do that. We just never usually see that at Notre Dame. This is the second time he's done it, but I'm not being sarcastic. He wins the grit award for grit practice because he was helped off the field with an ankle injury and came back and was in the scrimmage. Yeah, that's Dexter Williams. I mean. And which, he did that which in the spring. Did in the spring. Yeah, yes. that's a really and we saw we witnessed that whole process in the spring. He was hurt. Yeah, man. yeah. He knows there's no there's not a lot of playing time yeah. to be had if you're hurt on that yeah. backfield. So that's so three guys. Gotta... That's three guys that have to play. And and Pete, I think he made comment about Dion McIntosh in your um, you know post practice uh, analysis that I mean he's a guy you can you can you can get the football to him in the open field. He's going to do something positive, probably. He's good enough that you can redshirt C.J. Holmes without yes, thinking absolutely, twice about it. Absolutely. And that's, there's yeah. some value to that. You know, I flip side of that, I don't... We talked about safeties and defensive tackles a little bit, but on the offensive side of the ball, I, I felt this way on Tuesday, and I felt this way on Saturday. I just look at the receiver position, I see Equimania St. Brown, and then I see a bunch of guys with potential. Maybe Chris Fink would be at the, the head of the list of the guys with potential, but I but I do not see this overwhelming amount of quality wide receiver depth that a lot of other people are talking about. I think Chris Fink's at the head of the list of guys you can count on, not of potential. Put it that way. Yeah. I, I think Chris Fink you can count on. He'll be he'll catch. That's a great over under. What will Chris? How many passes will Chris Fink catch this fall? <laughs> I would be hesitant to make it too low because I think EQ and Chris Fink are the two givens in the receiving Mack will A healthy Alizé Mack is second to Equinemius St. Brown. I, I would yeah. expect him to be a given in a very yeah. short period of yeah. time. Fink did it at the end of last year where he was prominent pretty much every week the last... I need. I probably need to look at the numbers exactly. But the last five weeks he was he was involved. I, and how many times have we seen him do it in practice? He does it in all practice all the time, every time we go to practice. So... Those are the top two. You think coaches like that when guys keep getting open and catching passes all yeah, the time? Yeah, I think that's I think that's uh, favored. Yes, I think a, a couple of podcasts ago I said it would be a really good sign. <laughs> we weren't talking about Chris Fink and Michael Young and Jafar Armstrong so much. And but what's the difference? I mean, really, what's the difference? Why can't Michael Young beat Kevin Stefferson this year? Uh, that's fine. I would prefer if he wasn't just. Blowing by Notre Dame's established defensive. Well, backs. now you're now you're complicating. Yeah. It. Now you're trying. Now you want to I win both sides on the, the same play. The, I don't happen. care. It's, I don't care who plays. It's just that you would think that established DBs would have an easier time dealing with 
Chris Fink and freshman wide receivers, and they're not having an easy still, time with you're it. You're still thinking of Chris Fink as a walk-on, and it just doesn't matter. He's fast. It doesn't matter. Quite fast. He's fast. He, he whether he was a walk-on or wasn't, he's fast. He's a good player. He makes plays all he, the time. He gets a lot of airtime on our show too. Chris he, Fink. He really does. No, I mean he deserves it. I think yeah, <laughs> I think he's I think he's earned it. And I think LSA Mack will be there and, and I tell you, you know, you started this segment here, Pete, by saying you weren't blown away by anybody. I, I'm gonna one guy that I was I kept going, Oh my god. Guard. Uh Alex Bars okay. definitely had a really, really good day. There's no doubt that Alex Bars is a trimmed down faster version, really like what I saw him, but no, what blew me away was because he was this guy was doing something that I didn't expect to see him do, and that was Cole Komet blocking the hell out of everybody that he engaged. I thought Brock Wright blocked well too. I, I, see, yeah. I didn't, I yeah. didn't see that yeah. as much, but I happened Brock, to. Brock Wright was even more impressive than Cole Komet. I mean, Brock Wright was putting guys on their butt, and I think Jonathan Jones wanted to like fight him at the end of the the rodeo. Drills. Okay, but we could somewhat expect that out of Brock Wright. Right. I don't know That's that we point. were expecting that. Sure. Cole Komet in the All Star game showed himself as a real quality blocker, but it was an All Star game. Um. So they got two good ones in. They got two yeah. good young ones, and I think Komet, you know, Komet's more of a downfield threat um, than right. Komet's gonna look better when he does things because he's so tall and yeah, long he's got and a big, great. and it just looks like oh those my things gosh. look better. They like, do. It's like when Claypool makes a play; it yeah. looks amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see him make a few more. Um, he was running third, uh, but we're gonna, I think, get into the wide receivers in the next segment because there's a question about like. How much stock you should put into where guys are running on what day. Um, and then we got a ton more questions, as you might imagine, as training camp rolls on. So we will get into all that next. Segment two, Irish Illustrated Insider. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We've got a bunch of questions our readers, both the website and the twitter.com and we'll start with the twitter questions first one is from alex this is a quick hitter what would surprise you more notre dame goes 12 and 0 or notre dame goes 4 and 8 <laughs> i like that that's I a great de- question i mean i 4 I, and 8 i would definitely say 4 and 8 12 and 12 and 0 is never going to happen but i would still definitely yeah. say 4 i don't want to over talk about last year but they went 4 and 8 because they had systemic massive holes and issues in the program that's what their problem was last year. It wasn't yeah. that they were unlucky or they didn't have Nick Watkins at corner, which is what we keep seeing popping up on our message board. <laughs> it's that they had a systemic failure in the program and it does not exist anymore. So they will not go 4-8. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to go 12-0 either. <laughs> no, but, but I mean it's... I would be more surprised with 4-8 and than 12-0. and Yeah, that's... I was super good. Question. They should, well, we've said they shouldn't have gone 4-8 last year. That's crazy. That's yeah. ridiculous. Because they had systemic issues. Yes. <laughs> Next exactly. No, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's more of it's it was more than personnel. It was yeah. that. Yeah. Next up, Kevin Cox wants to know give me three guys, or however many you want to give me, on defense that will be rotational players, but also critical to the success of the defense. Does Trembetti still count? Because he's number yes. one. Okay, he's number yeah. one. He is number one on that list because he is can play both of those positions. They're going to need him at both. And if they move Jay Hayes at all, he'll get to a lot of playing time as a strong side end. So Trembetti's number one. Um, I think you got to go Coney, two. Uh, we talked about this just before the podcast, actually. Tim Priester mentioned backing up both positions inside. I wouldn't... I'm tempted to say Bilal, but I just don't know how much Tranquil will come off the field. I mentioned Bilal. Uh, so you got to go to the secondary. 
Dante Vaughn, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a starter. By any stretch, he's not a starter. So he's the guy... Because Crawford's kind of a starter, right? Is yeah. Nick, yeah, so... Dante Vaughn is the other one. Those are my three. I think those are easy picks. I'd like to throw... It'd be great if we could throw out a name of a defensive tackle backing up the starting two. I don't know who it would be. No. It would be nice if one of those names emerged, but we can't pick one out right now because nobody... You know, Elijah Taylor's not ready. Yeah. He didn't he take life. Yeah, he didn't He didn't take live action the other day. Um, I... I <laughs> Micah do Treadway might be the most likely, and he couldn't get off a block the other day, and neither could Brandon Tiasum. Maybe one of the freshmen. Who knows? Highness um, or Tagovailoa, but we don't. We don't know. I think Trombetti, Coney, and Vaughn are the names. I I threw uh, Julian Aquara in there too in a situational role, like it's third and ten. In that kind of look, can he get you? A couple, a sack in a key moment, and a couple pressures in a key moment, maybe. Yeah, if, that, no, if nobody blocks him. Yeah. If he doesn't have a... No, but if he doesn't have he gets an off the snap, too. If he gets right, the, if, he, yeah. if he if he's head up on an offensive tackle, I mean, we've seen yeah. it in two practices. He He's scheme just not it, yeah. physically ready to beat a guy you like gotta that. you got to scheme him, you got to scheme him, and that's where Elko's good. And so, I, you know, pr- the scenario you're describing... Situational. ...definitely can happen. Patrick Kallendorf wants to know, what's up with right tackle? We didn't really talk about that in the first segment. I don't think there's any doubt that Tommy Kramer is going to be the starter. At the very least, he's he's in better. First of all, he's in better condition. He, there's more bounce in his step than in the spring. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And secondly, he's a, he's a big sob. He looks like he fits into that line with the other four guys. Whereas Eichenberg, I don't think has shown the toughness yet. And when and maybe Eichenberg's a little bit better as a pass blocker. But most of the time, you're run blocking and you need that toughness. I think Kramer's emerging. Maybe we overplayed it a little bit in the spring. Will he get beat on a pass rush? Yeah, because that's not his strength right now. I'm with you that Kramer will start. And we've never seen any hint that he's not in any spring or fall practice. Yeah, I mean, this is how much of a hint that we're sure Kramer's going to start. That Robert Hainsey was working at right tackle. Um, And that was something we talked about over the summer. That I was told that Robert Hainsey is a lot closer to playing than people think. And uh, that was an indication that, yep, he's closer than you think. I also think it's an indication that they're cross-training Liam Eikenberg to be the backup at both tackle positions should guy, one guy go down in the game to start the, yeah. the first injury. And more important than that, Mike Mnuchin's not going to be here next year. Someone has to start at left tackle. It's probably going to be Liam Eikenberg, and I think that will be fine after another year of right. running with Harry Heastan right. and getting your butt kicked yeah. by Matt Bayless. We talked about Robert Hainsey after the Tuesday practice. I, I was really impressed with the, his pass-blocking technique and his balance and everything that goes with it. Man, when he lined up at right tackle on his three-point stance, he, re- he really doesn't have a real wide three-point stance, so he just looked... He looked like a boy lined up to the rest of the men on the offensive line. There was a just two plays, <laughs> two plays for Eichenberg that I think stood out. Andrew Trimbretti bulldozed him like he was seven years older in a scrimmage. And when he went against Khalid Kareem, who was his peer in terms of age and conditioning and everything, he had shown great use of hands, knocking down Kareem's hands twice on one pass rush. That shows he can be good, and he is nowhere near strong enough to go against a guy like Andrew Trombetti, who a lot of teams on the schedule have. One thing about, I mean, one thing I'm confident about Kramer, in addition addition to being a big SOB, is I think he's tough. I mean, I I think he's tough, and that's why I liked him. Yeah, that's why I liked him at guard. I think he's going going to battle. He's in better shape than he was in the spring. 
he'll get beat a couple times off the edge. But, you know, Alex Bars did last year too. So the other four look really, really good. And remember last year we were we were really praising the offensive line and it it didn't work out. But things have changed yeah, dramatically yeah. with Matt Bayless uh, along the offensive line. All right, last Twitter question before we get our reader questions. Put you guys on the spot. Who has benefited most from Chip Long, Mike Elko, and Matt Bayless? One for each. This is, comes from Brian Swint. So he wants to know who has benefited most from this, the staff changes in each of those three departments. Well, Trombetti's involved in it with Elko because he could not play for Van Gorder from everything we're hearing now. And I don't even mean behind the scenes. I think they keep hinting at that. that yeah, he, the way Brian Kelly describes that makes yeah. me think that like Brian Van Gorder hated Andrew Trombetti. Yeah. The way he talks about it, it just seems like, well, the big thing is the change. I mean, that's... Well, knowing Trombetti's personality, I'm, sh- that, I'm sure that type of coaching did not work right. well with him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, hey, yeah, totally with No, you. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I entered Trombetti for, I guess, Elko. Uh, you could throw Bayless. Bayless is going to be like the whole team at this point. Yeah. Uh, Chip Long, I think it's going to be a guy like Smythe, who was targeted 11 times last year. 13 times last year. I, feel like I, lost, I don't remember exactly because it doesn't matter. It was less than three handfuls, and they yeah. played 12 games. I think Durham Smythe, we're not going to talk about him all camp, and he's going to be the starting in-line tight end for 13 games and do a pretty good job. He won't be a headliner, but he'll be on the field all the time. He might. I mean, he might be one of those guys that leads the rotational players in snaps. Could be. You know, I mean, just that type of player that's out there a lot. Yeah, Bayless could be any number of guys. Right. Um, Trombetti could fit into that category. Yeah, because, sure. because Elko, I would definitely give to Drew Tranquil. Oh, right. They kept right. asking yes. him to play a position he couldn't play. And he's, uh, he's, off, he's offered it multiple times. Yeah. yeah. Play the position so, yeah, Drew Tranquil for, for long. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, it might be Wimbush in the end if it's really more of a run-first offense. Or it might be whoever the second tight end is because you play. Um, I always felt Mac would just play, kind of, unless you're saying turn Smythe is the second tight yeah. end. Yeah, then that would be a good call. There's no doubt there's a significant advantage for a tight end and <laughs> under Chip Long. I mean, he's a tight end coach. But I think maybe... He calls plays and he's yeah, a tight end coach. Right, right, it's right. It's a great situation right. for those but guys. I think, you know, Dexter Williams and Tony Jones Jr. And we talk about so Notre Dame has always had difficulty really getting a, a rotation there, a running back, and Chip Long comes from... You know, they rotated their backs at Arizona State. So I think those two guys have a have an excellent chance to make a greater tr- contribution. Speaking of defensive ends that weren't allowed to play under Brian Van Gorder for some reason, what about Jay Hayes? Yeah. He couldn't see the light of day for any reason whatsoever. Just can't get him on the field. There's no way. Way. I mean, you got to take out Alan Page yeah. and put him out there, right? There's no way we can get Jay Hayes on the field with this defense. What was going on in that world last year? What not it amazing that I every can't. fan and writer knew more about the personnel than the head, than the defensive coordinator. Did. I know we usually, I know we usually safety. think we do. We usually think we do, but in this instance, we actually they were, did. Everybody's right, including people telling us that they're too small and they're not strong enough. You're like, you know what? You're right. Was that Vic Irish? You get a shout out. You're right. <laughs> How did we react to the three three five against Texas? Yeah, that's, that's, you fired him. You were right. I fired him. I fired his ass. All right, now, next up, ND Jack 16. What is Julian Love's potential of safety? Does he project better at safety than cornerback, or is he just an upgrade over the current safety group? I, I, let's say Julian Love plays in the NFL. I think he projects better as a safety because he's not a 4-4 guy at corner. In college, he can be a very effective cornerback yeah. with 4-5, you know, whatever speed. Um 
I know he's a good defensive back. He's a good football player. It doesn't matter where Nordame lines him up, they're going to get productivity out of him. I think the latter is he an upgrade of the current safety group is certainly an answer because if they just had the same safeties but they had Jamora Slaughter on the team, you wouldn't think we got to move Love to play with Slaughter. You're just thinking we have to move Love to get him in there because we need someone that's really good at football back there, not a bunch of projects and guys that have moved positions. Yeah. So he's a corner, but he's an upgrade at safety. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's you move him back there because of what you have, not because of necessarily his skill set. And what's the way, I thought the way Brian Kelly answered the question the other day that I asked on day one? I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen if you move Love to safety and start Vaughn? Vaughn screws up, you move Love back to cornerback. You know he doesn't need to take, he probably doesn't need a ton of reps technique-wise to get back into, you know, cornerback mode. It's a good question, though, because sometimes when you move someone because you have a weakness, it just doesn't work. They can't play it. I don't think that's the case with Love. I think he'd be fine playing safety. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Griswold 06. The RBs continue to impress with their talent and depth, but the drop-off from Wimbush to Book is significant. Realistically, just how many times can we expect Wimbush to carry the ball and risk injury? Hopefully less than Deshaun Kaiser last year, <laughs> uh, but the read option implies that the quarterback is an option to run, and you can't take that off the table. So if I think if, if he was averaging more around the six to eight carries, opposed to Kaiser got into double digits a lot. Yeah. Um, he was doing fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, I would just I would like to see them get get away from that. Um, but he's going to average six seven carries a game. At, I think. Yeah. At a minimum. Yeah. Um, in terms of drop off, I think if Wimbush gets hurt in a game, they're absolutely fine with book that game. Does that makes depends sense? on the game. Yeah, it'd be harder if it's USC or Georgia than it would be in somebody else. But I, I think the hardest thing for Book would be when there's a whole film available. Let's say it's let's say it's the BC game, the whole film available to Michigan State and North and stuff like that makes it harder for him the next day. It's always different when you start yeah. compared to yeah. coming in. I think he you come know, in okay midstream. I don't think like the game would end if he came in against USC. I think it might against Georgia because he's never played a game. It's week two, and it'd be naturally scared, right? That's just a that's a hard situation. But he'll probably have gotten some playing time by the time you hit USC and Miami and NC State and stuff, right? You should play against Temple, right? And against Miami of Ohio, and and you know mop up time against Georgia when they're up yeah. by fifteen. When, when like I that. watch high school film, <laughs> guess who? I just, I just threw it in Georgia. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I watch high school film, Ian Book, I saw the same thing in the Blue Gold game. So what he did in the blue gold game, I didn't think was surprising because I thought that's the kind of quarterback that he was. So I think they can, I think you can win games with him depending upon how the le- the level of the the opponent. I want to correct myself. A road game would be hard to come into for Book to have to win the game. That's what, if was it Tim? Did you say that Priester? That what depends on the game. I'd rather yeah, see him come be... in tied against USC right. than at Michigan State at night. As far as the amount of runs by Wimbush, I'm sure there are going to be way less direct snap runs, which is, what do we call that football? I mean, that's a real like Neanderthal football. Yeah, I mean, it's Sean just, Kaiser that's crazy. They won't, they won't do that with Wimbush. I think most of his runs will come off of scrambles or, you know, read uh, zone read plays where right. he decides to keep it because that's what they show him. Pete asked Kaiser about his being in better shape. Pro day, and he made fun of the offense, saying, "I guess I won't. I won't be running QB power right into the line anymore." I mean, that yeah. was an obvious. They had no ideas last year. No, it was whatever. In short, we have to run Kaiser. He may be they, the first uh, or fullback preseason game start this weekend or sometime this week. 
I think he may be starting for Cleveland. That's an aside. Anyway, near Bach, at this point, how much stock do you put on receivers lining up with first, second, third team? Chase Claypool was number one in the slot first day, but then was third team the other day. Is that simply a product of getting different guys' looks with the other players' positions? I put very uh, little into that. There there are a few uh, players where they line up matters to me. Um, EQ running with the first team because he's the best receiver on the team. Kevin Sefferson running with the scout team. That's significant. Pretty much everybody else I don't put any stock into. Right. Uh, Claypool went from first to third in the two different ones, and that's not because he went from first to third as a player. Cam Smith went from first to third. But again, that, that, that's tempo. That, yeah. that, doesn't, we, that doesn't even really mean anything. Claypool was definitely not a, I'm not sure we can talk about this, Claypool was definitely not a starting type player during the scrimmage, though, in this last scrimmage we saw. I think they are rotating all over the place, and kind of to that point, I asked St. Brown about developing rapport with Wimbush, not him, but the receivers, and he said, we are now about to settle into positions. We've just been rotating for Cam. Right. So that... That's your answer, I guess. We're about, they're about to settle in. Claypool has to catch the ball more consistently in, or, in order to be in there. Yeah, and it's we also don't know, okay, what's... The base offense, based on what we see in tempo, is still 3 by one Which I, I was kind of holding out hope that it was going to be two tight end, but it doesn't look that way. I don't, we don't know how much they're going to run of that. I mean, it, does that turn into something? Because I, think I would much rather... Would you rather have Freddie Canteen out there or Alize Mack out there? Because it's a slot receiver or a second tight end? I'm almost positive it's going to be two tight ends. will be more than 50% of the snaps. How would you be positive about that? Because their tight ends are better than their Okay, well, that's a good answer. But this was my point. that I'm giving them credit for seeing that nowadays. No, I don't. No, I agree with you. What I was going to say is that, you know, we can't. We see them run. Let's say on one particular day we're in there, they run a bunch of two tight ends. Oh, that I'm not saying mean, by what I saw. Right, I'm right, right. Tight ends it doesn't mean, okay, well, we saw a bunch of it, so that's what they're going to do. Maybe that's what they were emphasizing that day. Right, right. Mine but, is not but, from practice. No, your your point is is correct, that they're the better guys. I think you might see some two back with one guy motioning out, too, because they're the better guys. I think the wide receivers are less. Yes. Yeah. All right, last question. SR5452. What are the biggest differences you see at practice when you compare the contrast Mike Elko and Brian Van Gorder? How confident are you that the guys on defense will be better suited than under Van Gorder? On paper, the defensive tackles could be worse, but so could the safeties. I guess they could be worse on paper, Um, but Notre Dame didn't fail on paper last year as much as they failed on toughness preparation. And I mean, they failed on paper, too. Yeah, well, Jerron Jones, if you look at paper, seems fine, right? And Jerry Tillery is your two starters. They and... started Drew Tranquil and Avery Sebastian at Texas. <laughs> it's safety, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the safeties, we don't know the safeties will be... They'll be better than that. They will be better than that safety group we put out there. I think the safeties... The safeties were terrible last year. Their safeties will, by default, be better this year. They could be the weakest part of the team, and they're better. The safeties were awful last year. Yes. They lost the Duke game, the Texas game. Uh, they contributed to the USC loss. Uh, everybody else did. But they, they literally failed in those games. <coughs> and they were playing on a position, and they were too young to play. Mm-hmm. That's what they had. I think that's not the situation. Uh, I guess defensive tackle on paper could be worse because you've lost Cage and you don't have Jerron Jones and they were yeah. your guys. Well, there's 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 certainly more position group work under Elko than than Van Gorder. I guess I meant their bet would be they're just not played on paper because Elko would just make them not. He'll, he'll make the he's a safeties coach. The safeties had no idea 
what to do last year, and they didn't have the physical capability they kinda, they to do it. They kind of look like that so far this year, too. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 you know. All right, Fortnite, go back Elko, to the other no, Elko, I mean, Elko's a good coach. There's a yeah. lot of good coaches out there, but you can't. You can't flip a switch. They haven't looked very good up to this point. But no, my point was, what's the difference between BVG practices and and Elko? And every time we're looking over at the defense and they're not involved in a scrimmage, they're broken down by position and and uh, and working on stuff there. You know that that kind of stuff. It's revolutionary. Is not... <laughs> uh, no, no. The difference. Listen to me. The difference is. That Van Gorder was doing team stuff during that. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm right. saying you're totally right. It's just, it's not, I mean, that's what it should be. Right. right. Yeah. And, the, and here's the other thing, that Elko's actually instructing a position and teaching guys, whereas I don't know that BVG was <laughs> was doing that. He was yelling at guys. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The biggest difference to me is what I hear more than what I see. And it's like Van Gorder would be ripping guys a new one. All the time, Elko will get in your face, but it's different. It's not constant where you probably tune it out. Um, I do like the instruction aspect of it. That's something I actually talked to Nick Watkins about because I want to know how the cornerback room is different when you actually have a coach in there, opposed to trying to coach everybody uh, in the secondary, which is sort of what Light got stuck doing. Um, you know, I. I just think that they will be more fundamentally sound, and I think that we've seen some of that already. Um, that doesn't mean that they are going to turn into Harrison Smith and uh, Shane Walton all of a sudden, but I think it's a it's a group that will get better during the course of the season, whereas last year they got worse. Um, that was something that I was told by a former assistant, is like, when things went bad with Van Gorder, it got worse in practice, and then it got worse, and then it got worse, and then it got worse. <laughs> yeah, those games um, got worse. Yeah. Those three games. Elko is not going to lose the defense no. that way. He's too much of a teacher for that to happen. And that's like, we had. there's a discussion on our message board about this. It was, I think it was pertaining to Julian Love. Do you move him? Do you not move him? And I was like, I would move him, but I don't think that you would, can just look at Jalen Elliott and Devin Stutzel for how much they have. And Nick this, Coleman. And Nick Coleman, so how much they've. You know, been a, a mixed bag, or you know, certainly Elliot and Sudsill st- struggled at times on Saturday, and just think that they're static athletes. Like they should get better as the yes. season goes on. What? Who knows what Isaiah Robertson's going to look like at right. the end of October? Um, so that's to me that that's a reason to be optimistic. Is that you can see a upward trend line with some of these safeties. They need it. But I think you can see them actually getting there because Mike Elko is coaching them. What is your level of confidence of who might develop back there? Who, like at the end of the year, who do I think yeah, would be the let's best say, safety? Yeah, of the let's team? leave. Let's leave. Well, no, go ahead and include Love in there. Okay, I think at the end of the year, Love would be the best safety on the team. I still am optimistic about Jalen Elliott because um, I feel like I've seen him be around the play, yeah. even if he's not always making it. I liked him at the end of the spring, too. Yeah, and there, there he's had some flashes in camp where I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of like that. But there's been also flashes where like, oh, man, the tackling is not there. Okay, here's I'm, I'm, there's six safeties right there. Okay. Rank them in order of confidence who's going to be a player by the end of the year. I think you have them in the We've right got order. Love, Coleman, <laughs> Elliott, Robertson, Gilman, Studstill. I think you have them in the right order. That's my order. Love, yeah. Coleman, Maybe Elliot, maybe Elliot ahead of Coleman, Robertson, Gilman. Just because I haven't seen anything yet, and the guy that I have the least amount of confidence in right now, and I Struggled. hope I'm wrong, 
is Devin Studs. I agree with you on that. I think Gilman could be good as Brian Kelly calls it the alley safety that comes down to support the run. Okay. I don't see it in the coverage yet, though. Do you? No. And it makes sense. He's a Naval Academy safety. Right. Does it make sense he would be able to cover St. Brown and Fink? No, I mean, that's why I said he was honorable mention of All-American Athletic Conference. Like, that's not a guy that's As a gonna, freshman, though, is good. That's but nice that's thing. not a guy that's probably going to cover up a guy who could be a second-round pick next year. That's okay. Like, yeah. It's okay. You're right. It adds depth, and it's a, it's a quality uh, addition. Robertson's the intriguing one because he's got all the measurables. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would put him... I had a colon on this list behind Love. If Love just moved to safety, he would be the best safety for the next three years, in my opinion. I would put Robertson ahead of everybody at the end of next year. Does if that you make could, sense? If, you, if you're a good corner, yeah. you're almost always going to be a he's, really he's, good he's safety. A, he's a rugged good corner. It's yeah. not like he's just a little guy that covers great. You know, he's... Like, Sean Crawford could probably play safety because he can play anything, but he'd be so small coming up to support the run. Love is not like that. Yeah, and before, we, before everybody moves Love out of a, the cornerback position, he's really good at that position. It really breaks on the ball well, so you'd hate to yeah, lose that part right, of he's, it. He's really good. They just have so many good guys that we think can play. We might find yeah. out when they're in there that there's a giant drop-off between Love and the next guy in a game. Well, certainly Vaughn has narrowed the gap, whereas Troy Pride, for various reasons, running track... Hamstring, hamstring, you know, is is not there right now. Yeah, well, I mean, some look, somebody is going to be third among those three sophomore corners right now. It's clearly Troy Pride. Right. So, right. all right, well, that's it for this edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. We'll be back on August fourteenth next Monday, at which point we'll have some access to assistant coaches Wednesday. But then we'll get to see about half of a practice on Saturday. Um, the team will be back at Notre Dame at that point, so we have some more takeaways from that, and we'll dissect all that next monday august 14th that will be your next edition of irish illustrated insider thanks for listening this podcast is sponsored by duloc leadership i'm len clark of duloc leadership A DISC personality profile workshop will help you and your organization improve its communication, enhance team performance, and increase customer service. In other words, it will save you money. To learn more about a DISC facilitated workshop, contact me at 219-771-1004.